Hi, most beautiful soul, most beautiful co-creator and friend. This is Claire and the Art of Life and I've been creating this sovereignty series on the Art of Life podcast and also doing a whole load of house renovation, shaking up my web presence and shifting around, shuffling of outlets, platforms, etc. I'm now speaking to you from a much clearer place um, and was just mentioning to a dear, dear friend that I've been working up to this, what I feel is the, the pinnacle of sovereignty about where the root of our separation from sovereignty comes, why it is that we have such difficulty getting back to sovereignty and I've also been holding back from it, like really struggling to get into a place where I can just speak this out openly. And my dear friend just sent me a, a voice message speaking to her perception on what is lost in the birth process. And again, if you if you know my podcasts, you'll know that I delve into this subject um, at great length and with great feeling and connectedness and feminine perspective on this on the true nature of birth and what birth is supposed to be, how it should unfold, how it, it can unfold when we love and know our bodies, when we're fully present in our power, in our vitality, in our energy, in our right way, fully aligned with our right way, which is a completely different dimension from rights in inverted commas or rights that are written down on bits of paper or portrayed in the legal world it's a completely different thing a living embodied woman womb one or a living embodied man who is standing in right standing in their right life in their right direction in their right place and time speaking in the right voice that's aligned that comes from their whole being comes from that beyond their being comes from the co-creative collective comes from Gaia Sophia and the universe and God so I want to breathe down into this subject of breath and I want to speak to something that I feel very, very strongly in all my studies, all the external paperwork story that I've been studying around sovereignty and around correcting status, around paperwork, external ideas, the masculine, the structural, the hierarchical, the organisational. There, there's a whole other dimension to it that is very, very often completely just la 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 la, ignored, blinkered out. I don't even know what it is. It's just folk are, patriarchs are so accustomed to being patriarchs that they, they actually think that they're seeing everything and they don't realise that, that they're actually missing 50% and the most important part of the truth, which is the masculine and the feminine have to be in harmony and they both have to be visible and present and witnessed. And the feminine has to be fed and nourished, protected and supported and encouraged just in the same way that the masculine needs to be respected and honoured and cared for and loved. The fact that 
we're still having these supposedly very awake conversations with big audiences and exploring these really deep subjects around what we do in relation to this horrendous abusive system that is trying to pull the very soul out of our body there it's incredible to watch the conversation continue to unfold almost in the exact same way just with slightly different but almost in the exact same way that patriarchy and the industrial complex have steamrolled the natural world and the human soul for the last millennia just a complete absence of the feminine voice, a complete absence of the truth about orgasmic birth and womb and where the real consciousness and power and sentience is and what that means. And I feel very strongly that this is very precisely indicative of how we are wounded at birth and how the wound becomes the separation, the wound, the trauma, the numbness becomes so normalised in our life. It becomes such an integrated part of ourselves. Our, we're, we feel it's normal to be numb. We feel it's normal not to feel our vaginas, our wombs, our bellies, our hearts, our liver, our kidneys, our organs. And to not breathe. It's so normalised because there were very specific things done at our birth that caused the normalization of pain and of numbness and of, and therefore of separation and of essentially being in a state of such contraction and tension and fear as to almost completely make impossible I'm just trying to get my grammar here. I can't quite find it. I think I'm constructing a, a, a thought form in my head in Italian here and I'm trying to get to this thought form. It's not translating into good English grammar. The point being, um, there's such an absence of trust in our stepping into the world. And that absence of trust is the thing that is harnessed, conceptualised, made into printed paper and turned into this whole debtor instead of creditor concept that really is the core of our being enslaved, the core of our, our being separate from our spiritual vision, the core of our being rushing around and being separate from each other and seeing each other as the enemy and seeing borders and lines and compartmentalization and so on and so forth. So the breath, the original breath, when we're conceived, when we're forming in the womb, we are an amoeba, a blob, a little sea creature, a fully formed human under fluid, in fluid, and we're breathing through our umbilical and through our bloodstream, which is connected to the mother, connected to the birth sac, connected to a very complex complex and synchronistic biology. Um, there's a, a lot that is presumed about how the mother creates the baby, but actually, from everything I've studied, the, it seems much clearer that the child is actually creating itself and has a separate system and an ability to be autonomous in a certain way within the womb. And that's really key 
around like there's a process of being attached to the mother and then there's a process of separating from the mother and the process of separation isn't just the stepping out of the womb swimming through the birth canal and stepping onto dry land it's coming out of it's coming out of a state of being which is soft and dark and red and warm and stepping into a world that has well if you're born in a hospital bright lights sharp noises sharp cutting instruments drugs the drugs might already be in your mother's system um high rates of adrenaline and trauma because the mother is being told that she should be in pain therefore she is in pain because she's contracting an expectation of it we're born into a war zone essentially and that as soon as we're out of the body even though we're still attached to the umbilical cord the birth sac is following us the whole thing is meant to be the symbiotic flowing gentle entry into the world it's meant to be done under soft lights under soft noises no logical intrusion no use of the front lobes the front cortex it's supposed to be by candlelight firelight a darkened evening a a quiet safe corner of the house a, a warm nest it's not supposed to be in a place where the mother is exposed surveilled cut pulled pushed told to lie back told to step out of her power entirely so everything all these generations that have been fed into that normalization of the abuse and of the violence allow the mother to be in such a, a position of complete surrender to the enemy effectively that she won't even question what's being done in the first few minutes the very very key moments of a child taking its first breath and this is really important like it's really important that we comprehend this because everything else comes from this everything comes from the fact that when the umbilical is cut too soon the child is not breathing through its lungs when it comes out. There's a violent interference with sucking fluid out of the lungs when it's meant to come out naturally. When the child should be naturally laid on his mother, he's being touched by other people's hands who are strangers to him, who he's never met before, who his mother has never met before. There are new, instead of being in the softness of liquid, the baby is being touched and feeling for the first time through his skin sharpness scratchiness sweatiness other people's germs the vernix cassiosa is already getting rubbed off and washed off because it's seen as dirty or or unsterile when of course it's the absolute essential protector on all the levels never mind bacteria never mind fucking contamination the the child should not be being born into a sterile world he should be breathing in his first breath gently slowly naturally through his skin through his lungs through his nose through his ears through his eyes there's multiple levels of breathing that go on multiple levels and all of it is violated all in a swift movement of attack uh, grabbing the baby pulling the baby separating the baby 
instead of this symbiotic rest after the work of birthing, rest after the trauma of going through an, an industrial birth process and the child being able to bond immediately with the external world through touching the mother, through being laid on her heart, through being laid on her breast and being able to feed immediately and get access to the colostrum. The whole thing is so not supporting this first breath. And I have to be really honest here, I'm struggling to talk about this. I'm struggling to talk about it without getting this primal rage come up through me, this primal rage that these babies are being systematically abused, traumatised, separated from their spirit and and their very breath being traumatised, particularly in the context of what has been done to human beings around the world who haven't thought to go and do the fucking studies. The the use of masks and the enforcing of mandates around masks is so easy when folk have been indoctrinated from birth that not to breathe naturally, who've got massive psychological detachment and disassociation to their very lungs and therefore their heart and the the whole rest of their being. A child who would get their full inheritance, the real inheritance of what we're meant to inherit when we come ecstatically into the world and joyously and welcomed and loved and cherished and honoured in ceremony, natural ceremony and softness and darkness and gentle sounds and the mother being supported, not being antagonised or aggressed in any way. A child that comes in in that way to a mother who's awake and alive and sentient and knows herself and was able to navigate the birthing process because she knows how to navigate pleasure. A child welcomed in in that way will get a full download of their inheritance, which is sentience, which is the holy breath, the sacred breath of God, the vitality of the universe, the oxygen and the, the external air of the world, the natural biosphere of the world millions and billions of particles that are informing the lungs and the heart the brain the blood system a massive download a massive streaming of new information entering instead of the water that was transmitting and growing us and nourishing us and cleaning us and doing everything for us now we're suddenly on feet on the land on dry land and we're of the earth now. We were floating about in the water waters and now we're on the earth. And that natural step that should happen is stolen from us. It's absolutely stolen from us. And that then in turn is conceptualized and printed and stamped and signed. And the whole thing is locked into this horrendous dream spell witchcraft, dark, dark trickery that means that even 40, 50 years later, we might still be presuming that we're not really allowed to breathe. So getting back to the breath, of course, it it's very uh, self-fulfilling prophecy to just talk about the trauma around breath and say it whilst not breathing very deeply. 
And I want to speak about my own journey to breathing more healthy and naturally because I'm aware it's one of these things that it's so overlooked and yet there's also a, a very, probably a multi-million dollar industry around people teaching others about breathing, um, probably trillions of dollars actually. <laughs> and I'm sure many of us will have at some point gone to an external authority, a teacher, a class instructor, a yogi, uh, some kind of therapist to do something with our breath. Um, there's rebirthing, there's, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go into all that listing all the different ways in which we can work with our breath. What I want to talk about really is how unique our breath journey is and how important it is to do it ourselves and to do it gently and to do it methodically and for it to be omnipresent in our life for our relationship with our breath which really is a gateway into learning everything it's a a, a bridge a passage for us to learn everything about what's going on inside our body our psyche um, our physical, our emotional, our spiritual well-being. It's a way to return to our spiritual and emotional and physical well-being. But it's also a way of unveiling um, because whatever trauma was done to our birth, whatever trauma was done to our belly, our belly button, our umbilical cord, the way it was clamped, which is, again, horrendous violence and something that is not necessarily meant to be happening in the way it's done with plastic or metal or metal being used to cut. The complexity of how we're still attached to the mother, how we're still attached to the placenta, how energetically we're separating and what can actually facilitate, facilitate that in a gentle and beautiful way yeah, it's, it's very hard to, to speak about that when people are, are so conditioned through film and media and doctors and gynaecology to be in absolute terror that a child isn't breathing when they're born. Oh my God, the child isn't breathing. And therefore to demand that somebody pick it up, violate it violently, hit it, smack it. Of course, smacking is this, this word that is somehow turned into a friendly um, chastising or checking kind of a, an activity that we do with our children when really, of course, it's, a, it's an absolute violation. It's a violence. And any violence that is done to a child who has already been violated and is being violated in the process of being violently terrorised and traumatised Any additional whacking or hitting or or shaking or turning upside down or removal from the mother or separation by space or and time moving into another room, any removal of the vernix caseosa, the greasy butter that is on the child's body, it's all moving away from again, I don't want to get too much in just repeating, I tend to get on a like on a roundabout with this, just repeating how awful it is because it is and it is so normalised. So that's why I keep repeating it because I know that it's happening right now. I know that 
mothers are going into hospital right now and that is being done to babies right now and it's protocol it's normalized and it's considered the right thing when it's very very obviously the complete opposite of the right thing it's evil it's absolutely the opposite of life so getting back to what the breath actually is and what's taken from us is not as important as what it like it can't actually be taken from us is what I'm trying to get to again my my words do get jumbled around this because it's very very emotional and talking about it releases energy around it breathing into it releases energy around it and again that's you know just giving a tiny glimpse of like the power of the breath and what the breath is really meant to be accessing what it's really meant to be giving us and what we all should be doing to educate mothers and take care of mothers and encouraging mothers and fathers to to do their due diligence and do their studies and prepare and know how a child should first start taking their breath um, rather than this presumption, the presumption of contraction, the presumption of the baby being unable to breathe unless we're, we're violating them and, and hurting them. This is such a, a way of conditioning separation, such a way of creating a situation where the child feels that it's dying, feels that it has to fight for its life, feels that the first breath is a desperate gasp to survive. And the first breath then becomes this burning and instead of it being a very soft, gentle exchange of fluids in the lungs for air, this peaceful yin-yang of the air coming in to the lungs and then going out in a beautiful figure of eight and then in through the, the mouth and the nose and into the lungs and the liquid leaving, the, the liquid displacing, uh, sorry, the air displacing the liquid and the liquid going into the world. That infinity, that symbolic ease and naturalness that should be happening um, would set a very different process in place. Um, I know for a fact that my own birth was relatively natural. There weren't any drugs involved. Um, I know that my mum just had a little bit of oxygen and that compared to my two brothers' uh, births, there was a lot less interference. Um, it was allowed to unfold in its own way, even though my mum was on her own and she was quite frightened on her own. Nevertheless, the, the birth unfolded naturally and unfolded, like flowed. And that's very different to the extreme interventions that were done on both my brothers um, and on myriad other folk in my family. Um, and even so, even though it was a relatively straightforward process, if laboursome, and even if my mother was afraid, especially because her first, ch first child had been extremely traumatic and... Um, dangerous 
even though it was fairly straightforward, there most certainly was at that time a practice of pulling babies out, lifting them up, upside down, whacking them to hard to displace the lung fluid and making them be absolutely terrified. Um, which I, I just got a sudden flash of dreams that I've had over the years of falling or being swung, like being swung some great distance and falling and being absolutely unable to comprehend what was going on, that I do feel definitely links back to that. And I feel too that my my relationship with my own breath, that yeah, I've followed myriad practices and I've participated in vast amounts of hours of yoga, workshops, singing, breathing, chanting, dancing, yelling, um, catharsis. And I've also been very diligent about trying to introduce more breath in my life and to recognise where I'm hunched over and compromising my lungs, where I'm breathing shallowly, when I'm holding my breath and when I'm breathing less than I might be. I've noticed when I've had partners and that often when we're listening to each other's breathing at night, I recognise that I, I have about four full breaths a minute and often they have like three or four or even five breaths for every one of my breaths or at the least two or three. Um, it's, and I, I know that that's a state that I'm in because of the practice that I've had, that I breathe slowly and fully and deeply. And I, I also breathe out a lot. But to get to that state, and I, I don't have perfect breath, I, I'm not any sort of expert in breathing, I still notice very frequently that I'm breathing very shallowly or I'm talking without breathing deeply and I'm not taking time to refill my lungs and empty them before I speak. <clears throat> I'm doing that just now in this podcast, feeling that it's important to fill the air with words, fill the space with words rather than filling it with air. So that, that's an interesting aspect of what I'm conditioned to believe that needs to be looked at and perhaps unraveled a little. Um, in all the years I've been working with my breath, uh, one of the things I've really noticed is that there is such a lot of emotion in there and that what I'm doing by breathing shallowly or, or breathing less or or breathing less often is not feeling the emotion and therefore not expressing it, like not going, not breathing the air down into it. You know, there's something like, like how women get stagnant blood in their wombs that isn't properly eliminating each month, isn't properly flowing outwards each one month through menstruation, through perhaps because they have a weak womb or weak um, pelvic muscles, <clears throat> a weak pelvic floor, a displaced yoni or vaginal canal or uh, a tight cervix, a rigid cervix. Similarly with our lungs, they're, they're very reflective of each other in lots of different ways of the throat with the cervix, the, the lungs and heart with the womb. There's this yin-yang and 
figure of eight, infinity flow between these two areas that mirror each other and complement, obviously, especially when one is fully breathing down into one's womb and fully oxygenating the pelvis and fully moving the blood right down to the bottom of the feet and right up to the top of the head. <clears throat> the, the, the more I've breathed into my body, the more things have unlocked, the more I've started to displace the, the stagnant energy in my lungs but not just in my lungs, in my whole body, in my blood, in my organs, in the energetic channels in my body, in the relationships between the, the organs. But also I, I've recognised where there is packed in emotion, packed in thought processes and packed in projections of front lobe consciousness into parts of the body which is such a fascinating such a fascinating thing um i've got this painting drawing that i did many years ago called in in the late 99 i think or even 97 or 98 when i first moved up to fintorn in the northeast of scotland a big spiritual community and I had some experiences there about opening up my breath and opening up what was locked in my body and trauma that was locked and numbness that had been there. But when I started breathing down into my body, I started to recognise that like the scale of what had been numbed, what had been blocked, what had been taken from me and locked inside me, but still there, like it's not anywhere else, it's still there. But the, the scale of, of what it felt like I would have to do to unravel it felt overwhelming, felt like too much. And I recognise too that there are times, even at my age now, even coming up to 50 years since conception, even considering how free my life is and how I live in, in gift and in flow and in natural cycles and rhythms, even though I'm not contracted to a state or to paperwork like many others are, and I'm not afraid of unraveling that further, I still recognize that the deeper I unravel, the deeper I breathe, the more fluidly I get into the practice of breathing into every cell, breathing into every bone and every sinew and every organ and every blood vessel. The more I do it, the more there is to unravel. There's like layers and layers of it. And the layers that are deepest are those in the sense of self related to the, the umbilical cord and the belly button, the energetic trauma that's still held there, the the sense in my that my mind interprets as I'm not worthy I shouldn't be here it's dangerous here I'm afraid that if I breathe I will be violated I'm a, or I have a sense of violation around the breath that doesn't actually make sense that that shouldn't be there that shouldn't be lodged in there but it's lodged not just a, as the physical trauma before the body mind are settled on the earth, settled on the dry land, 
settled in Gaia Sophia in harmonious union with all things and all beings before that happens there's this interruption that's made so that we don't get to settle down harmoniously on the earth and on top of that many many folk are locked into rhythms and practices that mean that they're not breathing deeply or well or they're still holding their breath trauma their first breath trauma so even if I do breathe deeply um, it's hard to have a conversation with somebody who's not breathing deeply because they'll be talking at me and rattling off questions and interrupting me when I'm taking a breath to get to the rest of the sentence that I'm saying and I'll have to continuously work at asking them to give me the space to breathe please and give me the space to respond slowly or at my own pace which relative to them is slowly um so yeah the the whole um drama of the last few years and the whole covid sham scam nonsense is has been really interesting too in terms of what has been happening to folks's breath and the fact that many many folk are still walking around with masks on and they've effectively been wearing masks for years for years the effect of putting something in front of the mouth to inhibit the amount of air that's coming in even though the can the masks that are being sold to the mainstream through the mainstream are are not really like they're really just stopping spittle from flying out your mouth but they're not allowing um any sort of filtering at all and they're they're blocking air but a lot of air is coming in the sides and going out the sides of the mask but still it's much more than just what physically is able to enter and leave. It's the psychological, it's the consent to an external authority to tell you not to breathe. It's an ex an, a consent to somebody else to write your story, to author, authority, your story. And again, that's, that's so perfectly um, juxtaposed, like slotted in on top like a perfectly slotting in block that sits and is screwed tightly into the block below it, which was the birth trauma. But then all these layers of blocks, which are perfectly built on top of each other that create this world, this world in which we don't think we're able to breathe or we, we've forgotten how to breathe. Like the idea that we wouldn't know how to breathe is just so like ridiculous and absurd. And yet it's so normalized that people actually smoke and smoke cigarettes and, accept high levels of toxicity in cities and walk down busy streets and breathe in fumes and ex accept that as that's okay you know I ah oh, the government is looking after it for us you know they wouldn't let us walk down the streets if it was that dangerous etc etc the the nature of of making the right choice about where to breathe and where to actually be in the world so that you can breathe and to challenge authority when it tells you 
that it is getting between you and your breath like like when we're born where somebody gets a sharp surgical instrument and cuts an umbilical cord before we've had a chance to ourselves under our own power our own sovereignty our own authority as a new being in the world taking its breath for the first time the the interruption again is a, a repetition of that pattern of an external authority like nobody can get between you and your breath nobody it's not possible it's god-given it's right it's your right it's even down as written in documents as right but a far higher level of right is the fact that you were given this breath that you belong on this planet at this time and you were given this breath and you were given this air to breathe the fact that someone thinks that they can get between you and that is that it's actually a physical impossibility although of course somebody could actually suffocate you you if they wanted to you know if they wanted to kill you but of course this is all about somebody fucking with your head in order that you can be killing yourself limiting the amount of oxygen that goes to your brain yourself and that's Again, that can only happen because we've been separated from self. It can only happen because we've been separated from the physical and that the mental has been tricked into staying in panic mode effectively, staying in trauma, staying in numbness. It's where the separation of our conscious and our subconscious comes from. The conscious and the subconscious should be one whole, an absolute symbiotic oneness. There shouldn't be any separation and my spiritual journey, my art, my co-creative path, my healing have, have all led to that, have led to me not acting from gut, not acting from heart, not acting from deeper conscious, but acting always, not reacting, but acting always from a core driving vitality that radiates outwards and will create right outcome, even if it is me yelling at a nurse in the hospital to get entry to a hospital when I have an emergency situation, even if it's me raising my voice at, at my partner because he's not listening to me and he's repeatedly not listening to me, even if it's me dumping a bucket of rubble in my, in my neighbour's garden because they've violated my privacy and they've given all this projection onto me over the years and I'm just returning a bit of karma in a nice, physical, neat way. My detritus dumped on their land. I'm just giving sort of, sort of jokey um, examples. But what I'm trying to say is that what is right will never be wrong because somebody legally says you have to put a, a mask on or there's a mandate or some guy in an office somewhere or some manipulative pharmaceutical company is brainwashing everybody into not breathing or the pharmaceutical agenda has become so part of the whole economic manipulation and the slavery that we we can't see what's happening what's being done to us no matter all that that's all just a very loose manipulative field like an external a veil that's been put over everything 
And as soon as one breathes down into one's body, one knows that that isn't true. The only way one can think that that's true is if one is in panic mode, like a mother birthing in a hospital who's being told through media because she hasn't done her research, she hasn't read Grantly Dick Reed or Michelle O'Dont or Frederick Le Boyer or all of the modern literature around orgasmic birth, hasn't seen the orgasmic birth films or never seen a woman birthing orgasmically and having copious amounts of orgasmic bliss in waves over her while she's opening and releasing the child. The only way we can trick people into giving away the sacred authority of our breath is by very ironically <laughs> making them not breathe and interrupting their breath. It's, it's just a simple snake biting its tail, self-fulfilling prophecy. And therefore, the beauty of that, of how completely superficial and completely ridiculous it is, and it's not even true anyway, nobody can stop you from breathing. They certainly can't stop everyone from breathing all at once. Um, but they can threaten and force consent through threat and through manipulation and coercion. But again, they can't technically do that either if you don't consent to it. We only consent because we're weak. We only feel oppressed because we're weak. And I don't mean that in any way, in a derogatory way. I, I mean it, it's just a factual fact that if someone pushes me and I don't stand strong in my feet and if I fall over immediately just because someone pushed me gently, it's because I'm weak, because I'm not clear about who I am and that I'm standing here and that somebody hasn't got the right to push me over. And similarly, being I was told by a friend recently, oh, you know, we still have to wear masks on trains um, in Italy. And I was saying, hmm obligation just isn't it doesn't apply if you don't want to wear a mask or if you can't wear a mask don't but you need to be able to stand in your power and say no 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 but they are they were forcing people off the trains I'm like well that's unlawful and it's prejudiced and it's wrong and it's so many kinds of wrong but of course saying that to someone who believes that it's right or believes that they don't like it and it's wrong but but it has to happen that mental process is a form of oxygen not getting to the body not getting to the brain not getting to connect everything in the body the separation of us from our breath can only come through some kind of tension having been put in there and some, and as a consequence, some kind of numbness forming. And even though that numbness might exist and be very solid and be very firm and be very hard edged, in every single moment of every single day, we have access to breath to both breathe into the tension and breathe out whatever needs to be breathed out, breathe into the stagnancy and breathe out breathe into the pain and breathe out and release it. That's just a fact. That's what our bodies do. That's what they're made for. And the breath is at the core of it. The breath holds 
all the vitality, all the wisdom, all the energy that we need. It isn't an accident that we breathe, that we're breathers. <laughs> it isn't an accident that the body is so beautifully, harmoniously, finely tuned to take breath in and to cleanse through breath. And for all things to come from the breath, it isn't an accident, it's not a flawed machine. It's absolutely divinely ordained, perfectly functioning, mystical, oneness, perfection. And the more we turn our breath to that and breathe as if we know that, then the more the outside world is going to change for us. Um, I have a, a personal, a private practice that I work each day where I can. I've been doing some accountability messages with a dear friend, another dear friend. Um, quite a lot of my friends, we talk about accountability, about manifesting and about how to actually heal our bodies which have been so distorted by this toxic world that we live in and one of the things um that I feel correlates very much with releasing birth trauma and releasing the breath that was so essentially blocked cut off trauma that was put in place at that time um, the waking up in the morning, waking up out of the subconscious and into the conscious. There's a window there, uh, a gateway there. That through breath, we can return to symbiosis, the subconscious and the conscious, return to symbiosis, the dark and the light, the night and the day, and the yin and the yang within us, the masculine and the feminine return to symbiosis, anything that's been interrupted, blocked, cut, traumatised, numbed, or locked into pain, tension and fear. So I've been working with this practice of just breathing deeply. And again, I, I'm not going to get into any specifics of like what breathing deeply is for me. I feel that like when we step out of the womb, what should have happened is the child should have been able to navigate the breath themselves. With the support of a mother's hand and the rubbing of the back, the pressing of the body, the holding of the body in a certain way, the mother will intuitively know what to do, the baby will intuitively know what to do, and symbiotically they will release whatever is in the lungs and replace it with the air. But the baby is doing it itself, and the, the fact that the baby does it itself is really indicative of what that the sovereignty is, what the sovereignty aspect is. That if that holistic, lifeful instinct, which is much more than the sum of the parts, much more even than the mind, body and spirit, the holistic, the collective energy, the universal energy that is vibing with us in that moment, we we need to be able to navigate to, to some degree ourselves. And similarly, as adults, um, a lot of folk talking about sovereignty, paperwork, common law, natural law, 
etc just now talk about growing up that most of us especially cultures uh, more um, consumerist cultures like America England Australia um, and yes lots of other cultures but particularly these cultures that have been so ripped away from their indigenous their instinctual their holistic they're often talking about this transition from being passively accepting the crumbs you're being given and and consenting to to slavery and which is a child position it's a position of having a parent effectively telling you what to do and even though we're adult humans we're not acting like it and this transition from being a child waking up doing the research doing your due diligence being attent to all the areas of our life where we're giving away our power, that stepping into the power and the responsibility, yes, it can be really messy. Yes, it's really painful. Yes, it's really hard to accept that we're doing it to ourselves. Nobody else is doing it to us. The external authority is not doing it to us. We are doing it to ourselves. Any any power that we are still giving to a government saying that, oh, the government's suppressing me, the government's making me do this, the police are telling me I have to do this. I was told the train driver gave me a insisted that I should use a mask. All of that is a nonsense until we are able to recognize that we are the ones who heal ourselves. We are the ones who are breathing. We are what the one who has access to source. We can't get to source through going through someone else. We can't get to it through a guru. We can't get to it through a teacher. We have to get to it through our own body and being and the hierarchy of our health most certainly has the breath at the very core of it. The breath as the transmitter, the container, the lungs as container, the, the, the lungs as tra- transmitter of information from the external world, nourishment, vitality, oxygen into our body that then gets distributed through our whole being and then extends out into our larger self in the world. Um, yeah, the only way we can be kept in that childlike state of giving someone else permission to tell us not to breathe or even giving our, our own body the permission to or contract to hold breath, to not be breathing deeply and to feel like we don't know how to do it so we need to go and seek a workshop or a course or some kind of external authority that is going to tell us how to do it. The individual breath really is about growing up and growing fully into the full expression of what we're meant to be in this world, a divine co-creator. We are all divine co-creators and we are all divinely co-creating what's going on around us. But a lot of us are still profoundly disrupted in in terms of the flow between the divinity and the physical. And it is, it's really just a trick. It's like the trick with the three cups and a ball under one cup and the ball disappearing and thinking it's under the other cup. It's such a simple trick, such a simple trick. It's a violent and evil and nasty trick, but it is a very simple trick because your breath doesn't go away. It might become stagnant. You might even get lung disease. You might develop thin blood or anemia or be completely separated from your pelvis or be completely dysfunctional sexually 
because you're not breathing, you might elaborate all the problems in the world, but if you don't come back to your breath, and if you don't recognize and know, like know that your breath is all powerful, sacred, given by God, belongs to you, can't be separated from you. That's, it's so simple. It's so simple. Like we have to keep reminding ourselves because everything out there is telling us that it's not that, <laughs> that we're not free and we're not alive and we're not getting everything that we need through the air and that we can get exposed to whatever's in the air and our body has the power to release it, to release what it doesn't need. Um, yeah, there's this insidious energy that is coming via the mask wearing and via the whole weaponization of the biosphere where it's just a trick of the mind. It isn't actually true that you can't breathe the air. It isn't actually true that there's little things that are going to get up your nose and in your mouth if you're standing too close to somebody else in the car or sitting in a car with them or um, being touched by them physically or breathing in their exhaust fumes. Yeah, our breath is what allows us to be exposed to the world and connected with the world, to commune with the world and also be nourished by it. And we have to trust, we have to grow up and trust through using our breath, like our muscles, we have to use them. If we don't use our breath, then, then it's not going to work to the fullest of its capacity. But yeah, my morning practice that I've had in recent weeks and months, where I've, I've really been looking at what, what is my breath doing, rather than waking up and jumping straight out of bed, switching on my computer, checking my emails or whatever, checking the hive for news or to see what people are up to. Before I do anything, I, I stay in bed, I lay in bed and I simply breathe deeply. Sometimes I fall back to sleep. I often wake up very, very early. I'm getting up before dawn these days and it's a beautiful, beautiful time of the day to be awake. Also because other people are in a relaxed state at that time. Most people are still sleeping at that time. So the collective neurosis hasn't woken up. Um, and that, again, that's an amazing thing to breathe into, even to walk about in the town at that time of day when nobody's up. Even if I do live in a town in Italy where lots of people are up before dawn and going away off out to the orto or the, the field to, to work on the, the plants. But yeah, point being... This, just this practice of breathing each day. Um, first of all, it means that I, I don't lock into tension first. It doesn't matter what I'm doing, but if I don't check my breath first and physically practice some kind of... I don't even really like calling it deep breathing because I feel like deep breathing is this label that is put on things that you have to do it in a certain way or you have to count a certain number of num you know like three breath three seconds in or hold it for two seconds and all this and it's so it's I, I don't believe in pulling the breath into a contract I feel that a really important thing to comprehend through breathing is that the more we trust our breath and the more we work with it and just use it like just be in our breath be in breath use breath celebrate breath enjoy breath 
the more it will find its own way. The body doesn't, I don't, it doesn't need my mind to like force it to go into places it's not ready to go into yet or into places that are numb or tense. If I'm just breathing enough or breathing more than enough, then the body will naturally be activated in the way it needs to be activated. It doesn't need extra control or manipulation or interference even. And even that interference or manipulation or control, if it's from a state of tension, if it's from the frontal lobe consciousness, it might very well have a derogatory effect, have a diminishing effect. And um, again, back to this practice that I've been working with, there's this incredible feeling I have of the accumulation of bliss that comes through breathing deeply, breathing holistically, breathing without controlling it, breathing naturally, um, trusting my breath. And just doing that more and more, using my breath fully, using it to its full capacity. Um, I get downloads through that, get downloads through my breath. I don't know if you've ever noticed the difference between breathing in and breathing out, like the releasing of thoughts and the expression of thoughts in the brain. Breathing in and then breathing out, often that I get a very strong flow outwards of breath through in my mind, which I then recognise that they're just thoughts that want to bubble up and release. Other times I'll get a big inload from breathing in. I'll get a download of, of breathing in that I'll get clarity. Just because I'm breathing into my brain, breathing into my bloodstream, I'll get clarity about what I need to do that day. I'll get clarity about downloads about my work, downloads about what I need to transmit in the world and share with the world. Um... I'll have a much clearer idea of what the right path is, like a much righter feeling about the right path rather than the a tense, contracted, rushing and worrying about what I need to eat for breakfast or worrying about uh, what I'm going to do today. And and that over the over the weeks and months and years, that that morning practice has really developed into a an incredible sacred union and sacred preparation for the day which I do feel directly goes back to the trauma that was done like the trauma that was done when I was born and that was exacerbated and accumulated through fairly horrific parenting abuse on all different levels schooling the workplace, society, you name it. Because it's such a, an immense load that we've all been charged up with, an immense load that we carry on our, on our shoulders, in our bodies, in our bones, in our sinew, in our cells, because the violence was done at such a specific point when we just thought it was, you know, the right time to come out the womb, the right time to come into the world. We knew it was the right time to, to step from inside to the outside, from the waters to the land. And boom, we just get attempted murder on us. It does take a lot to unravel it, but that's the whole practice of breathing every day 
we have a lot of breath to work through every day and therefore it's perfectly we have the perfect tools the perfect capacity to deal with what has been done to us um, so yeah i feel that the the whole state of of anxiety terrorization holding our breath being in a hurry um it's all about stopping us from breathing fully all of that all of that melts away when we breathe when we breathe we know what the right action is we know what the solution is we know what to eat we know what to drink when to eat and when to drink we know who we're comfortable around because we're in a state of comfort in ourselves <laughs> and we know that we're not in a hurry there's nothing to be in a hurry about um so here's to more of that eh um i for one as part of a greater one and the greatest one the universe and god i'm very happily slowing down uh, and my practice seems to be making me slow down more and more and um simplifying my life and um also stepping into the world of the private i'm going to talk a lot more about that um, i might be continuing that in this series on sovereignty um but yeah yeah i just want to say onwards and upwards all of us eh? into breath into self into core into love into the art of life into harmony beauty generosity but yeah into the breath into knowing and trusting that our body knows how to breathe into taking responsibility and power for doing so for breathing and into the freedom and sovereignty that comes through that through being a grown-up taking responsibility and power for our own breath eh mm. Glorious, glorious. Sending blessings. Be well. And I'll speak soon. <laughs>